episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast is brought to you by Fermented Adventure. Dolan, we have merchandise. Yes, we do. How do people find our merchandise? They need to go onto our website at fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. So go to fermentedadventure.com and click on the apparel tab. And what will they find? They will find our Fermented Adventure, the podcast shirt, may contain alcohol, and we have a couple specials that we just did. Uh, Cerveza made me do it, and tequila made me do it. Now, this is perfect for spring break, Cinco de Mayo, or even the summer, and you'll look really cool, and you'll be able to say, hey, it wasn't me, it was tequila or cerveza that made me do it. Yes, that's true. We have different things. We have shirts, we have glasses. What are some of the other things we have in there? Women's stuff, men's stuff, tank tops. Tanks, tees, sweatshirts, pullover hoodies, you name it. You name it, we have it, and more to come, right? More to come. FermentedAdventure.com. Click on the apparel tab. Buy the merchandise. Cheers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Jamie R. King. I'm Rich Jane. Dawn Ranieri's here. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Jamie, we're here at Roger Wilco's Wine and Spirits. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. And as I told you before we started, this has been something that I've driven past as a child for over 30 years. Roger Wilco is a staple in the community. It's an iconic historical spot. How did Roger Wilco get started? So the legend is that back in the day, around 1950, there was an airport that was close by. And there was a pilot who had, at the airport, a small liquor store. And I don't know if if you know, but those in the military, those who know that Roger Wilco means, Roger will comply. You know, I hear you, I'm ready to go, that kind of thing. Uh, And that was the first liquor store around here in this area. It then grew, Roger Wilco became an uh, its own thing in 1950. After that, it grew the Palmyra store and this store were around, you know, had had these, this funky architecture, which made it so cool to see coming down the, coming down the streets, this with the dome and down in Palmyra with this swooping roof and a chimney. They actually had a fireplace in the, in the, in the store and they sold things like alligator and emu and all kinds of stuff it was a crazy it was a crazy place crazy time wow the 50s were nuts yeah they they were (laughs) so anyway then uh it went from one owner to another owner and then my father and my uncle purchased uh these businesses in 1984 
and uh, it was much smaller. It, the the business was just the dome, and then uh, then there was uh, at the at the end of the dome, you had like a beer screen, and the warehouse was just where liquor is now, that small area, and then um, and the and the the pints and half pints and the register was right in the center of the dome. It was a much, much smaller footprint. And then uh, my father and uncle really expanded this business. Uh, they, they, you know, we bumped it out to the side and added this cold box and we added the, the we added all of this space here in the entire, in the entire beer room in the back. It became so big. We were just, it, it, it we were exploding. It was just such a, a great thing because everybody knew us. And, and granted, we are a board, we're a border store, so I know we get a lot of, of of people from from Pennsylvania who come across the bridge. We get people close by from you know Haddonfield, Cherry Hill, Morristown, going up to. We get some people coming from Princeton. We get some people come. We've had some people come uh, from Illinois. Who, drive up to yeah just for perspective to the listener if you're listening from california or idaho or wherever we are approximately two to three miles from the pennsylvania border which is philadelphia Mm -hmm. and the palmyra store is going west right it's a mile it's it's a mile from the bridge right and And this is going east so you're getting everybody coming and going but this is like I said. If if anybody says if I was going to meet somebody in the Pensac and Palmyra area, and I said Roger Wilco, they would know exactly where to meet. More than likely, you can meet people in, in from South Jersey, anywhere in South Jersey, and you're going to know. Absolutely. So 1984, purchase the buildings and the business, and then you start expanding and expanding the footprint to make more room. You're really at 1984 on the cusp of vodka's blowing up. And just clear spirits and, and, and talk about, you know, Bartles and James and all those things. Yeah. So uh, if, if, I, if I can just talk about how, how it was managed. So my father and my uncle as, as partners, they really were such great. Uh, their personalities were so complimentary. Um, my father is very conservative and, and the bean counter and was you know he was a bit risk averse not that he didn't take risks he definitely took risks but my uncle is he's has this he was like a, you know he had this great vision for all kinds of stuff so he would be haphazardly going ahead just buying a billion things he said this is what my father would yell at his brother you know my father would yell at his at my uncle brothers tend to do they would fight they would fight across my he my uncle was across the way where my cousin is now and and here and they would yell at each other across the across the the whole office space and the salesman would get crazed because they said we don't have any idea we don't have any idea what's going on because they're really screaming at each other but they're brothers when the day was over I'm picturing a wonderful just, somebody needs to write just, the story the stories the conversations and get this into like a movie or a sitcom or something oh yeah there were times when my father would just be you know my uncle's very emotional and wound up and my father was very calm and and my uncle would say something and my father would say why are you getting so emotional and he said I, I don't have time for this he would hang up the phone and my uncle would go and say what are you doing and just scream <laughs> and then storm back across and slam doors and it was great but it was really good because 
Joe is able to have this vision, oh, we got to get X, Y, and Z in these numbers so we can grow it, you know, um, stack them high, watch them fly, that kind of, that kind of mentality. And always make sure that you, always make sure that you, you, you give the best pricing around. Compare, always compare it to competitors and, and find out where you are and take advantage of, uh, rips or retail incentives in New Jersey uh, as, as they go through. I don't know if you know about how retail incentives uh, in New Jersey work versus a quantity discount. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, but I think the listener would be fascinated to learn a little bit more about that, too. So the, the, the thing about uh, New Jersey um, is, is that there, the, obviously it's a three-tier system, right? So there's the the manufacturer, the distiller, or the the distiller or the winery, or the brewery would go ahead and sell to a distributor, and the distributor is going to sell to me, and I go ahead and, and buy from them. And uh, uh, in order to the 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 laws were written so that the little guy and the big guy would be on an even playing field. The rule is, in New Jersey, you may not sell anything below invoice cost. Nothing below invoice cost. So, um, if I buy something for $10 a bottle, and the little guy buys it for $10 a bottle, that's it. That's as low as we can go. Uh, So, if we each want to mark up 20%, we're each going to sell sell at $12. So... Retail incentives are where the the distributor will go ahead and say, if you buy X number of cases, five cases, ten cases, whatever it is, we will give you back one dollar per bottle, for example, uh, sixty days after you paid your bill in a check. You'll actually get that back in a check. So we, if I get back that dollar to make the same two dollars. I can mark up to $11 while the little guy still has to mark up to 12 So that's how I can be that person in price. Now, we can all go drop down to the floor to $10. To $10. That's not a good business model. No. No. That's not, not how you stay in business since no. 1950. Correct. However, if the rips are good, we can go almost, we go almost directly to cost. We may sell things actually at cost. If I know that I will get, if I'm buying something for $10, and I know I'm going to get $3 on the other side, and it's a hot, hot item, I'll sell it at 10 and that's fine. That's fascinating. And and look, I mean, I, I think that it's still an even playing field. That low, that smaller producer is still developing the customer base, and I think that's important because at the end of the day, if you take care of the customer, and while the customer a lot of times may be shopping on price, it's sometimes you, you develop that loyal following no matter what business you're in. And I think that's something that is also a testament to Roger Wilco and the customer service and the focus on customer service that you have. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but we're talking 1984. We're talking about your father and your uncle and you know the, the conversations back and forth and the vision. Mm-hmm. What were some of those, You know, what do you remember? Or what are some of your recollections on the growth of the business and how did you come on board and how did your cousin come on board? Uh, well, so this was my first job when I, I was 11 years old, and uh, I was in the back bagging ice with a, and that's all I could do. Right? That's all I, I couldn't touch 
I could not touch any alcohol when I was 11, wasn't allowed. And the, the I had a metal scoop and I would just scoop, I would just scoop bags of ice all day, all day, all day, fill up this huge freezer. My hands would be numb and that's what I would do. And, and that's just, and it was great because then my father would, you know, take me to lunch and I would have a good time. It was, it was, it was nice. The, the things that I remember walking around on the floor were, you know, you had uh, all of this, there was a big focus on having um, like race to the bottom white spirits like vodka. We had Roger Wilco vodka back in the day. Really? Is there a bottle of that still no, floating around somewhere? Maybe, maybe <laughs> filling someone's car. Okay. You know, it wasn't good, but it was, you know, it would be, it would be like a magnum. I think at the time was, uh, a magnum at the time was what, $8 for an entire magnum of this, of this vodka. Maybe it was $7. We sold, I remember, we had Esslinger beer at the front that was sold for four ninety nine a case. Um, and that would fly out the door. But the big thing was always to give the best customer service around. That was really always the point. That was always the focus. Um, and to give this best pricing with kind of unique, wanted to have unique things, not emu and alligator and whatever they were selling down the street back in the 50s we didn't want to do that um but we always wanted to have a great variety a huge selection of of product um so that we would become a destination store our, our, our location made it so that people would just tell us do you have do you have x because a certain population would come in a jamaican popular population a, a, a an african-american population from northeast philly um higher end wine clientele would come down from princeton they'd be looking for all kinds of specialty stuff and our goal was to make sure that we would have all of these things in stock on hand uh and if we didn't we would by hook or by crook get it for you as best as best we could um so we you know, bumped out and grew, uh, expanded beer over, like, the had, let's see, so there was white spirits at the time, and then I, and to be, to be completely honest, I kind of, I stepped away from the business um, for many years as it, as it grew. I went to, I, I went to uh, college and majored in, I got a doctorate in molecular pathology, which makes you wonderfully qualified to yeah, well, to operate a thriving spirits and wine store. Uh, it was, <laughs> right, right. It was it was strange to to make this to make this switch. But what happened? Can was, I ask you? Was it something at the time? You know, my dad was an accountant, and I didn't want to have any. I didn't have any interest in accounting. I saw what he did in his day-to-day -day work, and it wasn't for me. Although I find I work just like my father does now. Was it something that you just wanted to? go out and do your own path and be your own person or is it just that was something the the studies that you had and the career that you chose that was just something very passionate that you desired to to take on it was it, my father always said go ahead and do whatever you want to do don't in fact his big thing when i was growing up i always said i said so is this always going to be here if, if i don't succeed that way i can i can go here and my father told me outright he said uh, no, you may you can't automatically come in. The business at, at the time said the business can't afford to bring you on. So no, you better go find your own way. Wow. Okay. And 
that was a little difficult to hear at the time because I was, you know, while I was trying to claw my way up, doing whatever I was doing, I thought maybe I was going to just, this will be okay, I'll be fine. Um, but he, he always said, find your passion, do what you need to do, um, make your own mistakes and, uh, you know, learn from them and grow from them. But blaze your own path. That's what you have to do. So I did. I went into, I got a, I got my doctorate, which is Medical College of Pennsylvania and it was Hahnemann and Drexel. I don't know what it's, we've changed names <laughs> so many times, but it was right here that I got my, that I got my doctorate. Uh, and then I, I ended up going into diagnostics and I've, I worked for a bunch of, I worked for um, I worked all over the country. I was in D.C., I lived in Philly, I lived in Connecticut, I lived in San Diego, and um, I went to school in New Orleans. I mean, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. So uh, about, about 12 years ago, um, the business had gotten to a point, it had grown to a point where it, it, my father felt like he needed a little bit of help. So I had, I had, moved to San Diego and I loved it. I, I had uh, a wife, three kids, a great job. I was making good money. Everything was really fine and set. And my father turned to me and he said, all right, that's enough. Uh, you can stop screwing around and come into the family business now. And I said, what? He said, yeah, it's time. <laughs> you can come in. We, we, we need you here. Um, and I said, but I'm, do I got, I went out and did what you told me you know, to do, right? Yeah. Like I screwed around, you know, PhD, house kids. I'm great. No, that's enough. You, you were called home. That's it. So I came in and I, I started, I started here, started to work, uh, with my father I was here. I was on the floor. Uh, this was back in, in. Uh, at the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, and he and I started to learn from him and from and from my uncle. Here, everybody's happy. Everyone's happy to talk about everything. Oh, did you go to this winery? Did you do this? Have you tasted this whiskey? Have you tasted this tequila? Everyone just wants to talk about everything, and everybody's happy. I have to tell you, this is a great industry. I love it. Um, he got, it, it has so many things, uh, so many things uh, going for it, uh, and you meet a lot of nice people and a lot of crazy people. You definitely see a cross-section of humanity walk through these doors that uh, you, you probably don't see in other, in, in other uh, industries. Um, you see the, the highs and the lows and people who have uh, issues and people who are happy, people who are celebrating, people who are depressed, but we, we, we cater to everybody. But the biggest thing that we have to focus on is customer service. Are there, is there, if you were to hire me to come work here, you can it, anytime. Is right there, now. is there a training? Is there a philosophy? Are there pillars of these items that you say, hey, these are the fundamentals. This is the foundation of customer service. This is what we stand for. You need to learn these things or make them part of what you do here. We are not that kind of, we don't have that kind of corporate structure and that 
Uh, I asked Jamie because you've talked about customer service being important, and I think you mm-hmm. want to articulate that and make sure that's communicated to your customer. But how do you have that in your employee? How do you have that in somebody that works here so you can make sure their mindset is that same thing? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hands-on training on on the floor, and the idea is first we tell them how do you want to be. If you come into a store and you don't know what's going on and you see how large our store is, you know, when you walk in, what do you want to have happen to yourself when you walk into a large store? Do you want to be left alone? Do you want to be approached? If you are approached, how should, how do you like to be approached? And we have that kind of conversation with, with our employees first. And then we say, and this is essentially what we want to do. You... When you approach a customer, you own that customer until that customer says, okay, I'm good. So a customer comes in, can I help you find something? Yes, I would like to find, you know, I'm looking for rum. You say, great, let me show you. You walk that customer all the way to rum and they say, which rum were you talking about? And you can start a conversation, ask them questions, make them feel welcome. Um, point out what's what we have see if there's something they want you can try and 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 see is there anything else i can get you can help you find something else yes no maybe that you take them somewhere else and if you and they may ask you oh can do you have uh can you take me a beer or show me where beer is you if beer is not your area not your forte we encourage you to take, you walk the customer over to beer and then go to one of our beer experts on staff, listen, learn, but make sure that you hand off that customer to to the other employee until the employee says, you know, the customer says, that, I'm good. Yep. This is great. You have to handhold the entire way, be friendly the entire time. Um, it becomes difficult uh, a lot of times uh, for, for the cashiers most of all because it is we must card every single person who comes in without a doubt it's it's oh yeah you no have to because this is a business this is you, you make one mistake yes it makes life very we, difficult well the ABC can come in yeah. And the ABC will go ahead and, and, and they'll arrest people, they'll find me, they'll do all kinds of stuff if we serve someone who's under 21. Right. And, and we make sure that this can't happen. So it is the rule that every single cashier must ask for ID for everyone. Even if you come in, you are, you are wrinkled, gray hair with a walker, you will still be asked for ID. And a lot of people, Granted, the older people just say, oh, "No, hey, yeah, I'm so happy. Guy. Here, here Thank you go. So yeah. I'm the same way." Yeah, but but it's the it's the younger people who, of course, who they take offense. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and some and some of the cultures feel some other uh, cultures around the area um, feel that it's an invasion of privacy of some, of some sort, which it isn't. And we just we this we are required to do this. Right. So the cashier has to be kind and friendly and we tell them how to really uh, how to really approach the customer to ask the question and then if the customer starts to get upset the cashier is supposed to step back please let me get you a manager and our managers our cash managers are trained to diffuse a situation be able to handle what's going on um, to make the customer 
understand why you know we're not out there to get their information and we're not out there to block the sale in any no, way. You're, look, it's, this is part of the process. If you walk into a liquor store, just as if you want to open up some sort of a bank account, they're going to ask you for your identification. It's just, it that's is, the framework. It is the way we have to do it, but people get very upset. Now, and of course, we we will card everybody in a group because if if someone comes in who is maybe that one person is over 21 but it looks like all of the other people are not or are close and the one person is buying for everybody else you know while the letter of the law is certainly that we can only serve the person who is over 21 we don't play a game we don't want to be a a a test case for saying well you sold to this one person who was obviously getting for all of these underage Absolutely. people. Absolutely. So we don't. We card everybody. And sometimes that causes an issue. And I understand that. Well, um, because they thought, oh, I just bring in somebody 21. And I'm what good. does it matter? I'm fine. And look, where you are, if you're heading out of Philly, you're going to the shore, this is a maybe a stopping point for mm-hmm. somebody to bring beverages for the week or weekend down the shore. Absolutely. So that's understandable. Where you are in terms of 2022, You've done, you and your cousin, what you've done with your brand, to me, you've exploded the brand. You've got your tasting area downstairs. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about the philosophies of that because some of our conversation too has been, and we'll talk about that, the secondary market, the allocations. You, you know, we were just in Kentucky a couple of months ago and just to try to get some of these items, even in the distilleries, they don't exist. Because they're promised somewhere else. Right. Talk about your vision right now. Talk about, for Roger Wilco, what's been your vision for the 2020, 2021, 2022, and where you brought it today? Uh, we are really growing our whiskey business. Like, it's just over the last five years, whiskey has, has just exploded, has become bonkers. And, uh, the it is important for us to try and separate ourselves from the pack. We could just buy all the whiskeys that are offered and just have them on the shelf, and that's great. Or only buy the stuff that really sells through fast. Um, but we found that there's a core group of whiskey enthusiasts in this in in in. In Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, this tri-state area that just really are such they they just love to drink whiskey, share whiskey. They love the hunt to find something funky. Um, they're looking for all of those great bourbons that you can't get. Um, you know, they only make I don't know fifty bottles of something, and they're always looking for those for those crazy finds and buys. And uh, it is my job to make sure that, one, I have a very large selection so that I become a destination. But at the same time, I have to offer, um, I have to be able to, to offer things that are unique. So I have, I think I have a little bit of, of a sickness and I buy so many barrels uh, that are selective to us. So we go ahead and we taste you know, we'll, we'll ask for samples from a distillery and they'll send me 
Second, look here. I got a uh, here. I'm gonna get a Blanton's barrel. They got some Blanton's uh, samples here, so that we can go ahead and choose. So we can go ahead and choose our choose our barrel. They send us single barrel samples. We go ahead and and try them, make a selection, and we buy everything they got. Buy everything they got and the barrel. This one we just got. We just got barrel bourbon private selection. This just came out. We just got a Knob Creek ten year that we just, which we called Rogers Knob, was very good. I'm glad that we got that through. I love and the uh, marketing you did on that as well. Thank you very yep, much. Yeah, that was great. I, I don't. I don't want to tell you how many drafts I got <laughs> of, that, of that email. Um, that was that was a lot of fun. Difficult, but a lot of fun. Uh, and the whiskey is great. And we could try it. I actually have it here. I have lots of whiskeys. Yeah, behind here. us, there must at least be a like there must be a hundred bottles even behind us. Yeah, I have a lot here. And I don't think you you characterize that as a sickness. I'm not sure. There's no. I haven't heard any sickness yet. Well, yeah. I know, right. Well, I, 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 you're I, enthusiastic. I, you're an aficionado in a way that you just enjoy. Look, it's customer service. If you find those hard to get or you provide those bourbons and those whiskeys and uh, all those things that your customer wants, that's that's what you're doing. You're providing that. You're building that that rapport, that family, that loyalty. So what we do to make sure that we that we build this up is, of course, we get these single barrel things so that what's on the shelf, this, this is unique. You can only get it here. That's it, right? Once I – this particular single barrel – is only found here. It's not. It's it's nowhere else. So people want to go ahead and find it. They'll seek it. They'll get it. They build their collections and that kind of thing. So that's great. We also, like for example, later today we're going to have Dalmore Scotch tasting. We brought in an expert from White and Mackay who's going to head. Go, we're going to taste through all of these, um, the line of Dalmore uh, single malt scotches. Uh, everything from the 12 year and their new release sherry cask up to their through their King Alexander, which is what, 300 bucks or something like that. And it's a, it, but the idea is that we're all going to learn together about this. And, and, and we have a, 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 a great, uh, we have like 67 people who've signed up to come in today, which is a, a, a modest size for who's supposed to come. I believe about 40 of those people will show up for today, which is great. And I have st- I have all of the Dalmore uh, bottles on sale just for today to encourage people to come to the thing. But at least we're all getting together to learn about whiskey. We're learning about scotch. We're learning about whatever. And now we have a bunch of people who are, who've been with us, uh, been coming to our, our whiskey club, our Wilco Whiskey Group, for uh, five years uh, since its founding. And they know each other. And now it's a, you know, they come in, they hug, they shake hands, and everybody shares. I can't tell you. This is the nicest, nicest group of people I have ever met. This whiskey group is so beyond nice. They come in, they try something. So, Michter's Tent, right? So Somebody came in, brought me Michter's Tent. Just say, oh, I opened it up. I know you didn't try it. Here you go. Here are samples. You should bring me the samples. They're just so nice. So, that... So I'm sure that there are some people who bring me sample because they want to curry favor with the idea that, oh, I got an E.H. Taylor or barrel proof or something. Here you go, you know, you know, so that I can go ahead and give them a special 
you know, they'll get first dibs at something. Um, but the goal is to really be as fair as possible. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, especially with some limited access to different things, it's hard. And talk about just right now the ability to, you know, dealing on the secondary market and where you are with the challenges with that. Well, so what I want to do is, is, so when I make it a, 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 I try and make it a, for a lottery. If I get something funky, I get Weller CYPB, and I and and everyone wants it. Oh my gosh, I gotta get it. Uh, I'm going to s- sell it for. It won't be a sta- it won't be regular standard markup. It'll be more because everyone has to make a dollar. But it won't be what's on the secondary market. There are a lot of people who come in, they buy it, and then they put it on the secondary market for. whatever, why not? Because you can't get it, and we'll see if they can go ahead and get it, which is fine. But I love my people, and everyone down here who's coming here, these are my people, and I, they're all here, they all just want to share and drink and taste whiskey and find whiskey, so I don't want to do that to them. Um, So... And I think they understand where I'm coming from, where I want to, you know, I should make my money, but I don't want to kill them. And I want to be fair. So we have these things called bottle drops where I'll get, so I'll get the CYPB. I'll tell everybody, hey, I'm going to do a bottle drop. Everyone submits their name. And then I put it into a random name, a random number generator. Everyone's put into the list. And live, I, I, I do it live on, I stream it live on Facebook or, or Instagram. We go ahead, everyone sees that it's shuffled around and completely anonymous and completely random. And the number comes up. We say, congratulations, X person won. Okay, great. We call the person and, and, and that person gets to come in, has a week or so. They're, they're escorted in. by security out to the car, make well, sure nothing happens great. to yeah. them, right? So, you know, it's great. They love it. And the other thing we do, because we have such an enthusiastic community, um, I save, I don't know if you can see over here, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. Um, I have a lot of funky, uh, great bottles here and on the shelf when you, when you walked in. Right. Uh, that are being saved for what we call a, a, a stag party. We've had two of them. We're going to have our third in July, where I take all of those allocated bourbons and whiskeys and whatever scotches I have, and I'm going to put them on a table in front of everybody. I tell everybody on X day, this is this is what's going to happen. Everyone comes in. Everyone, will, it doesn't cost anything to come. Everyone gets a ticket. And I will stand up in front of everybody and pull tickets from a thing and say, okay, you get your chance to come up to the table, choose the bottle you want to buy. Nothing's given away for free, but uh, none of the whiskeys are given away for free. We do give away prizes and all kinds of stuff, and we have fun with it. You say, you can go ahead and buy the CYPB for... Uh, you know, you can buy the CYPB, or I'll give you, uh, uh, we'll give you these this Apple Watch f- for free. Now, <laughs> in fact, it's funny because it, no one ever chose the prize, the free prize. Everyone wanted the. But that's the why they're there. You've talked to me about this stag party and how it's grown from the first year to the second year. How many people are you expecting this coming July for the stag party? Well, so the first one, we had about 
200 people. The second had about 450. I'm thinking we're going to be crossing 600 people. Now, what was great about the last time we did it, you know, you got to be able to give back to the community. So we said that for you can you can bring in food for the local food bank and you got an extra ticket and you could spend five dollars uh, for an, another ticket up to ten tickets so another fifty dollars all that money and all that food went to the local food I bank. love it and we raised we did 900 pounds of food and we raised seven thousand dollars for, for the food bank for the thing over the holidays so that's gonna be great so that's we're going to do that same thing for this event in July, which is great. So everyone loves it. Everyone's enthusiastic and everyone laugh, uh, laughs. And we try whiskeys around the thing. We have, I usually put the, our, our, our single barrel whiskeys around so that everyone can have a little sip of everything to try and, and see, you know, do they, which one they like. And we, it's great. So a lot of whiskey and everyone has, has a good time. Um, and the point is to be fair and grow and grow the community and just grow this brotherhood of whiskey nuts. <laughs> well, you've you've talked about all your travels, New Orleans and San Diego, and you've been all over a lot of places. And you grew up, you said, 11 years old, bag of ice. When did the interest in spirits and even whiskey come to you? Do you remember that first time or that, that where you were? I was here. Okay. I bet you it was nine years ago, maybe. Where uh, I, I originally was more vodka or or wine, really, and you know we have a large online wine business called WTSO.com, WineStillSoldOut.com. Uh, was one of the original flash sale sites you sell you know one bottle at a time until it sells out the next one comes up next one comes up and originally it was just the one bottle and then it grew and then we have now we have a bunch of bottles that are sold at one time the main product is still a flash site and it goes and then um so to understand that if you get a bottle of wine whatever it is from wherever it is and people really need to monitor the site i would imagine to know what's coming up we or actually, they or they'll miss it correct we actually have, you know, you can get notified by email. We have we have apps uh, that, that send you notifications. So, you know, there are ways to do it that's kind of less uh, invasive so that you don't have to go crazy. We have marathon sales where during one particular day, a bunch of stuff will go multiple things at a time in rapid succession so that you're kind of participating in, in one shot. And we have magnum days where we sell mags, uh, magnums one. And it's great. That site, because it is a more of a, of a, of a multi-state national, national reach, right? The two stores are really local reach. And even though we have a far local reach, the... We ship everything from here for the wine site, and so that business is about four times the size of the revenue from these from these two businesses. And it's a very elegant uh, business. That that to be completely honest, the original idea was from my cousin, uh, who's my partner in crime, who started. By the way, he was he was in the, the ticket business for a while, and when COVID hit, there were no tickets to be sold. There were no concerts to go to or events to see. That's right. So he went. You know, his father said, "Okay, we'll come into the come into the store." It was different. For, see, 
Ed came in. He came in with just like, well, you should come in because you, you, you got to come in. And it was great because we needed him. He needed to, to help out. And actually, after the first, once we got, once the world shut down, I, I think a couple of weeks later, I went down with COVID. I had the OG COVID right, right in the beginning. Okay. And I was out for like three weeks. So it was great. It was here. He brought in a ton of people that he knew because we had employees to, because we, we need to, care for our employees so we said you know if you're uncomfortable and you're at the time right everyone yeah nobody, nobody knew had any nope, idea what was yeah, going on do wiping yep. down packages and everything right? right didn't know what what to do so uh you know everyone was going crazy so we had some people who said i'm not comfortable coming into the store to, to work and other uh, other people couldn't so ed was actually able to round up a whole bunch of people who were also had issues because of COVID because of their jobs and they came in and they started to work for us and I was out and then I came in so then he started to you know he took over the his essentially his father's position so my father who who passed away from frontotemporal dementia some years ago um, and I came in and took his 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 spot now Ed is here where his father is and is taking his father's place. So it really is being handed off to the next it's generation. A family, it's a family legacy. It is absolutely a family legacy. I just hope we continue to, to grow it and have it thrive the way, the way our parents did. I think so. I can already see that you're doing that and you're taking that along to give this to your next generation, whoever that is going to be for your family and, as you said, Ed's family. Yeah. My daughter actually works in the other store right now. Okay. She's assistant GM over there right now, which is great. But she's, she she wants to do something else, and I'm encouraging her to do her thing Go out, first, do your thing, and then you'll call her back. And then, <laughs> if it's all right, call her back. She's very good at it. Where did the character of Roger Wilco come from? And talk about it, because that's, that's so wonderful, and he pops up on your uh, your social media feed. Roger is, because it, we've always had that logo. We've just had, I, I can't even tell you how long we've had Roger painted on the side of the, of the on, you know, on the side and on the side of the building. And we had this, we have this creative marketing guy who said, um, a bunch of years ago, he said, I can go ahead and act this thing out. And uh, he's a nut. He's a nut. He is so creative and can do so many things. And he know, he's so enthusiastic about so many um, uh, market, marketing areas that he can do. He can do all the social media stuff that I, I don't have time to even uh, look at. But he is, you know, he can do TikTok and he can do the Facebook, you know, he can do the Facebook movies and, and and every time I do Facebook live I have to have him here because I look like a, a schmuck but, <laughs> but, but he he looks great and uh, and actually I have a lot of uh, we've had a lot of guys come up to me and they say we love watching you guys do your thing he is you know Roger is really funny we really love watching you Jamie uh, because there's no one more uncomfortable on camera than you and I say, great, thank you so much for that for, for that encouragement. But you know, we have we have a, a, a good time with that. But but the our the employee who, who works for us, his name is Joe, uh, and he's just he's just so creative. The stuff that comes out of his it comes out of his head. It's so funny. 
So, so you can imagine that the when I asked him to do the uh, a video on Roger's knob, how how difficult that was for him to rein it in. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Just issue. just to keep it uh, almost PG thirteen. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the outtakes. I believe there's going to be quite a few. Oh, that'll be funny. It'll be funny. In you, you talk about your whiskey group and the the community that you've built. Uh, this is a conversation that you look online in a lot of whiskey groups too, where the prices keep going up and up and up. The opportunity to find stuff is smaller and smaller. Where you are almost on that front line of retail and finding things that you have the ability to grab wholesale in a way, where do you see the whiskey? What's your opinion on the whiskey market and what what we're talking about today? You know, we had issues with... It's 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 actually it's not just whiskey. Look, whiskey had issues. They all we all had issues with. They had issues with glass. We had issues with cans and aluminum on the on the on the beer side. Um, some juice was hard hard to get once it started to be sold out. And so we're lucky because we're a very, we're a larger player in the area. So we. Can I can afford to go ahead and get, uh, you know, I buy when, whatever I want, wherever, whenever I can, um, not without, not without consequence. I, my my cash is tied up in inventory. More inventory now than, uh, well, during COVID, I had an enormous amount of inventory because there I, we were selling and selling and selling. Everything was crazy, and as as supply chain issues started to crop up it became harder and harder to to receive those products this is you see this this right here yeah, on this, my this board uh, products of, with with supply issues there's just there's there's got to be what 50 there are 50 items easily there, there. that then each one you know there's no way for me to to get and it goes from everything from like dolan to Johnny Walker issues to Salignac to Moet to Corona had an issue uh, Corona is still an issue. Hennessy is an issue. It's it's and there are all kinds of uh, supply chain issues, which causes me to purchase whenever I can. So somebody offers it to me, and I say, "Well, when's the next time you?" you know. Yeah, I see on your board it says all wild turkey. Yeah. So well, if wild turkey, if they pick up the phone, they say, "This is what we got." You're pretty much scooping it up, I would imagine. As if it's something that that is that sells like crazy, I'm going to make sure that I buy enough to to last, you know, thirty days, forty five days until they say, oh well, maybe it'll come down the pipe soon. But things like Hennessy, um, Hennessy is a it's like it's like milk and eggs here. It's just you gotta have it. You can't run out. Hennessy, Corona, can't run out of these things. So I buy so much of it whenever I can, yet it's not really available. So, and I've been building up my inventory for of, of that, of those products for a while, but um, it's all, all my cash is tied up in this inventory. I don't have extra spending uh, in other areas where I would like to. Um, and and that's important because even what you're, what you're introducing, what you're making and identifying is, look, even if you wanted to, there are limited amounts or limited availability of things that you could get. 
Right. You're, you're really, I think one of the reasons why I want to sit down and, and, and talk with you is because you bring a perspective of the spirits world, the wine world, the beer world, that people just, then they go through the doors, do you have this, I want this, and then you either say yes or no, then they look at the price, they decide whether that's a purchase they want to make, you know, are they sharing it with friends, is this a gift for somebody? There are a lot of variables that go into a purchase, but you have to stop and say, look, I know who my customer is. If I don't have Hennessy, if I don't have Corona, that's going to turn off or put off somebody that just, hey, when you went into, you know, the big stores and you wanted toilet paper mm-hmm. and they didn't have it. That's right. Now you started finding other ways to get toilet paper. And mm-hmm. I'm sure as long as you can, as you said, customer service, take care of the customer, have the things you know that you're going to sell online, on hand, or all those things. Then it comes to mount, then it comes out to saying, all right, I know that there's going to be some of these things coming out. Like on behind me, I mean, you've got the Castle and Key Bourbon. Yeah. Right, that was so good. By the way, okay. Yeah, so I mean, and there's been mixed, but, but that's but there's been mixed reviews. And we were at Castle and Kitty. Yeah. We were a month early, and I was like, wow, I love the rye. We had a, we had great rye. Love their gin. Their gins are uh, amazing. But you know, then you look at something like the bourbon. Well, coming up here to New Jersey, how much opportunity? Even Pennsylvania, where we live, we're not going to see that bottle unless somebody picks it up for us. But you're saying, look, if I need to have cash available or find a way to make sure I have the ability to buy this. That's some amazing insight into your business and what people you know, maybe not understand or perceive about how you have to go day to day. Well, it's, it's, it's true that I get calls all the time. Hey, I have, um, you know, I have Blood Oath Act 8 and I have eight cases available to you. Do you want them? And if I have my, and it's not a cheap, uh, it's not a cheap bottle. And I have eight cases. If I don't, if my money is tied up in in Hennessy, and I can't go ahead and I can't go ahead and buy the Blood Oath, it's it causes an issue. I because somebody else who who doesn't who who doesn't have that, or maybe doesn't have access to Hennessy, has that cash available and will go ahead and get the Blood Oath Blood Oath and scoop up my my customer. I don't ever want that. I gotta have everything. Right. Wherever I can, I have to get everything at, at all times. It's kind of a sick race. And at the same time, I have to compare my prices to my close competitors and those across the bridge. And I have to make sure that I am as competitive as 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 possible. Um, but to to in terms of access to product, listen. There's so many things I'm offered. I'll be offered two bottles, or I'll be offered. One bottle. Here you go. Here's the one. And it may not be. It may. It may be one bottle of something that may cost me fifty dollars, but it's that allocated. And if you look online, that fifty dollar bottle could be going for. If you searched on Google, it could be you know three thousand dollars for the same fifty dollar bottle. Whereas I really, if it was a normal product, I really should be charging. Um, I really should be charging sixty dollars for the bottle, or something like that, or sixty-five dollars if I want to be a pig about it. You know that kind of that kind of thing. Um, but you have to make sure that you avail yourself to to all the products that are offered, and you have to make sure that you you leave yourself with enough cash flow to be able to to buy those things. It's, and I would also imagine you can't say no too often, because then it's just they're not going to pick up the phone or send you an email. Because it's all right. Jamie already said no three times or whatever, and sometimes you just got it's it's all 
And there's so much that goes on to it. And at the end of the day, you're not open since 1950 if you're not taking care of your customer. And you're not providing that customer service. You're not that iconic brand that Roger Wilco has become. I know you have Dalimore and your whiskey group coming in very shortly. And you've been gracious with your time. And I told you we would sit down for about 40 minutes. And we could talk all day. I would say that if there's anything that you wanted to make sure we mentioned on the podcast, is anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure the listener hears about or knows about? I think we all just need to know that that as we're moving through these supply chain issues and all the prices are going up and some I can take some of the price increases I can take on and some I have to pass through because they've been passed to me and they're just it's just too much and I have to I have to increase the prices. Um, we just have to keep that in mind and be friendly with each other. Everyone gets aggravated as 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 we're all trying to find those products and hunt for those products and we're all trying to um you know keep a penny in, in our in our pockets and you know my job is to make sure that whatever i can offer you is going to be at the best price possible wherever i can but everyone has to be we're all trying to work towards the same goal of having a good time being happy and 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 finding the the great bottle and sharing and talking. That's really what it's about, time. right? You open the bottle, you share, you talk about it's it. It's all about sharing and having a good time. All that stuff. Now, how do people find you? Besides, where? You, what's your address? If people are now coming from the Jersey, PA, Delaware area that haven't been here before, what's your address? Our address is 1001 Route 73 South in Pensauken um, and down the street in, in Palmyra as, as well, 600 Route 73 North. Uh, and uh, you can also find us at rwilco.com uh, online. rwilco.com. You'll see more about those limited allocation releases. You'll see a lot of Roger. You'll see specials that are coming out. Sign up for your newsletter. That's how I learn about things. You also have your whiskey groups. So come in for tastings and share different whiskeys. I'm excited because we're going to do the Dalimore whiskey tasting pretty soon. And I haven't had that yet. So the, what is it, 12 bottles that we're tasting through? Well, at least I think there are seven or something. <laughs> or like at that. least we're seven. Gonna, we're going to do something. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to, to learn more about this group. So it's going to be nice. Awesome. This has been a treat. And it's wonderful to get down and sit with the gentleman and the family behind a lot of my childhood memories. And I really appreciate your time today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Jamie.